With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the DKH2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and it's kind of a victory Sunday. It's kind of weird because uh, Pitt played two games. I covered both of them, and uh, we're going to get into both of them uh, in, in this. Not just the games, but just sort of what you can look for going into the week. Now, a few things here. Uh, first segment, we're going to talk about Pitt football. Second segment, we're going to talk about Pitt basketball because both showed up. Um... And uh, there were interesting takeaways from both games. Now, I figure we start with the the bad news or the negative stuff first so we can get to the good stuff and later. And let's start with Pitt football. What we expected happened. Clemson whooped them, mollywhopped them, beat them like they stole something, spanked them like a kindergartner in Kmart, whatever, whatever euphemism, analogy, whatever you know, ad- adjective you want to use, it was a beatdown. And as it should have been a beatdown, Clemson's talent is far above where Pitt is at. And Pitt has plenty of talent. But if you look at Trevor Lawrence, you look at the composition of of Clemson's offense with the weapons that they have, that Etienne is just a bad man. They have a receiver named Powell who's a bad man. Their depth goes much further than Pitt's. Like for every, every Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver that Pitt has, Clemson has guys behind their starters. They may not be as good as Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, but the drop-off isn't as drastic as when you looked into Pitt's depth chart across the board. But hey, that's what happens when you're in a program that has won double-digit seasons. They've had double-digit wins, 10 or more wins, for going back all the way back to 20, 2011. They're, they're, they're a powerhouse. Pitt's not. And we have to really look at that. If you're a Pitt fan, you got to accept that. And it's like, hey, you know what? This was a, a one in a hundred chance for Pitt to win. For Pitt to win, there were there were several things they needed to do. They needed to get out on top early. They needed to take advantage of any rust that would be in Clemson, and there was no rust. <laughs> they were they were ready. Um, and I wrote that in my preview for DKPittsburghSports.com. Um, I also, I wrote a seven takeaways from this game because I, I just didn't feel like there was one story I wanted to focus on. There were several different aspects I wanted to focus on. We're going to touch on a few of them here, but if you want to read all of them, of course, go to DKPittsburghSports.com. If you're a subscriber, you can read it right now. Um, it's my seven takeaways from the game. Uh, but if you're not a subscriber, you should be. You listen to this for free. So get all our full coverage. We, we do, uh, we're doing a 75% sale. You can get it for $9.99 until monday so if you're listening to this right now and you're not a dk pittsburgh sports subscriber get on it we cover Pitt, penn state duquesne steelers pirates penguins better than anybody else so go get all our stuff right there at dkpittsburghsports.com a special discount for black friday weekend right now again that sale ends on monday 9.99 right is the sale there so um back to this game 
and back to, you know, it's obvious that these teams were different. And Pitt needed a lot of things to bounce their way on top of playing an almost perfect game. There's no game, no team can play perfect, but you can get as close to perfect as you can. And I, I do, I give this. Pitt showed valiant effort when they could, when, when, uh, when, when the Panthers could, because uh, Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, each of them sacked Trevor Lawrence in this game. Uh, Patrick Jones's sack was a work of beauty over uh, Jackson Carmen, who uh, he's the Clemson's left left tackle. He's probably going to be a second or third round pick at worst in this in this upcoming draft. Um, he's been very good for Clemson. He's one of the best offensive tackles in the country. And Patrick Jones just put on an inside swim move over his inside shoulder that was really impressive to get a sack on Lawrence. Rashad Weaver had two sacks on Lawrence and forced a fumble, the only takeaway the Panthers had all day. Um, so they did a really good job. And with both of those guys, we expect to go to the NFL draft this year. They drew, They boosted their draft stock, so good for them. But I know a lot of you Pitt fans are probably really perturbed, disturbed, whatever word you want to use there, about Pat Narduzzi yet again kicking a field goal in a situation that you don't make sense, especially against a team that you're trying to, you know, spark an upset on. Just last year, when they were playing Penn State, they were down 17-10 to with about five minutes to go. They're inside the ten- Penn State's 10-yard line. I think they might have been at the, at the one or the two, and they had a chance to punch it in for the, to, into the end zone. Pat Narduzzi went for a field goal. It was blocked or it missed or whatever. And everyone was like, why would you do that there? You, you're, you're all the way in there. Your offense has been struggling. Just get it in the end zone. Take the shot. And then you, if you don't get it, you pin them deep. Well, in this situation, it happened again. Except a little bit different. And a little more like the room for excuses for Narduzzi shrunk a lot in this game for making this call. It's... The second quarter, Pitt is down 31 to nothing. They're inside the five. It's fourth down. What do you have to lose at this point? You've lost the game. It is out of control. The only way you can get back in this game is if you score touchdowns. Touchdowns emphasize the S. A field goal does nothing for you. Unless you're trying to save face and not get shut out. Because at that point, it looked like they might get shut out if they didn't get a field goal there. Darduzzi opts for the field goal. And after the game, he's like, no, I wasn't trying to avoid the shutout. That, eh, the statistics show you every time you, you, should, you should go for the field goal there. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I am not a coach killer. I am not one who attacks coaches for decisions. I try to give them as much patience as possible. I do it with Mike Tomlin. I've done it with Pat Narduzzi. I've come after Pat Narduzzi because he's given me things to come after him about. Um, I do it with coaches in all sports. Um, unless you're Adam Gase, he can go somewhere else with that. He needs to be fired right now. Um, or Matt Patricia. I was so glad to see that he was fired from the Lions. <laughs> I hate that guy. Um, not really, but it's just I don't like Patriots coaches and the Mist that says that they're great. Anyways, point being back to Pitt. Pat Narduzzi, what the heck do you have to lose by going for it right then and there? You tell your guys, go out there. If you don't get it, you don't get it. The field goal, I mean, and they were they were clowning Pitt on the ABC broadcast. Todd McShay was like, huh, I guess uh, now you're only down four touchdowns. I mean, it was a joke. 
It was embarrassing. And to anyone who was watching, you were probably thinking the same thing to me. Like, that seemed like you were just trying to avoid the shutout. And he directly denied that in, in the in the post-game press conference. So, that was very frustrating. But I'm not going to get on Narduzzi overall for this loss. Because Clemson is just that much better of a team. They've been ranked number one in the Associated, Associated Press uh, poll Every year, at some point over the past six years, in every season, there's at least been one week where they've been number one. In most seasons, it's been several weeks. They're that good. They're on another level. Their recruiting's better. Their talent is better. And because they're winning, more kids are going to go to them from the big football places. That's just a fact. Pitt was up against the wall. And that's why it's important to value and to celebrate and savor moments like 2016 when Pitt beat Clemson. Because there was no reason for Pitt to beat Clemson. It was an all-time upset. A win for the decade. And it's something to cherish if you were there to experience it, if you watched it. But it's not something to expect to be the regular until you get to that level. And the goal is right now, to win small victories, to put together seasons that can get that can start getting you the better recruits so that you can do a little bit better, so that you can challenge Clemson more consistently. But, I mean, since then, none of the games that they've played Clemson have been close. So, I'm not getting on Pitt for losing this game. I thought they actually showed really good heart. Um, in the second quarter, uh, From this, from I think from the second quarter till just there, were a, there was a minute left in the third quarter, Pitt started to put up a good fight. They scored 17 points. They allowed only a touchdown over that stretch of time. And I was I was encouraged by that. I was like, you know what? The, this is some good fight from these guys. Rashad Weaver forced that fumble. Kenny Pickett threw a touchdown pass to Vincent Davis. Uh, he threw a great touchdown. Well, he, he threw a touchdown pass that was a great, amazing catch of Jordan Addison, a true freshman. He's going to be a superstar, y'all. Um and the ball gets tipped in the end zone. The kid holds on to it, finds the ball, grabs it, makes sure both of his feet are in bounds. It would would have been good in the NFL. That one should be on Sports Center all Sunday. So if you're if you're looking for highlights and you, and you're trying to avoid it, you do check out Sports Center. Maybe their top ten features uh, some pit, a, a pit play. Maybe maybe uh, on on Monday Night Countdown, Jordan Addison will be on the You Got Moss segment from Randy Moss. Jason Pittick was on it last week. So, all in all, the field goal was frustrating, but this was what was supposed to happen because this is what happens when programs that are super powerhouses like Clemson play programs like Pitt that are trying to put the pieces together. But all in all, I wouldn't be too mad at these guys. They fought like like crazy. Kenny Pickett was sacked six times, and this dude was still in there fighting. Uh, I thought one of the coolest things of the postgame press conference was Jimmy Morrison, oh, the coolest thing at the post-game press conference, that Jimmy Morrissey, when I asked him about Kenny, he said, you know, I love that guy. He, there's, no, there's never any quitting him, and I'm honored to be his teammate. That's, that's respect stuff right there, man. That gets me right here. Um, 
And again, I have a tie of a, a world of respect for Kenny Pickett for all the stuff that he's he's put. I mean, he's been that man went got got an injury to his ankle that required surgery before he before the game was over. He went back out there and threw a touchdown pass in overtime to keep his team alive. After that game, he got ankle surgery, ankle surgery, and then came back weeks later and was a, and as soon as he came back, Pitt got two more wins. That dude's tough as nails. He deserves a shot in the NFL. I don't think he's a starter in the NFL, but he deserves to be in a system somewhere where he's given the chance to grow, and who knows what happens from there. Again, several good takeaways. We'll get into more stuff about the NFL draft as the year goes on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to talk about pit hoops. I need to talk about Wednesday night's loss, but we'll cover that and their win on Saturday right after this. here on the DKH2P podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's talk about some pit hoops. Now, pit hoops was in the gutter after Wednesday. It was rough. They lost to St. Francis, 80-70. It was the first time in program history that the, the Panthers lost to St. Francis. And they were 29-0 and against them. It was a rock-bottom type of moment. And how they lost... I mean, St. Francis commanded the game. St. Francis beat Pitt the way Pitt was supposed to beat St. Francis. They had a double-digit lead for most of the game. And it it looked like Kevin Stallings' offense was back. You know, the pass around the perimeter, don't attack the lanes. Oh, no, his own defense, what are we going to do? That's what it was looking like. It was getting a little scary. Um, but you know, something that I was thinking about during, before the game, during game, and especially after the game, how much of this was jitters? These guys, because of the pandemic, and I'm not, again, I'm not making excuses, but I, I, this is, this is stuff that we have to consider. These guys, these players, these kids, they haven't scrimmaged. They haven't played anyone but themselves. They're a group of 13 guys who have basically just been practicing practicing against each other for the past month. And that's tough to gauge where your strengths and weaknesses are when you keep playing each other like that. And especially when you don't get warm-up games. And these are the warm-up games, basically. They they haven't had any... Normally, you'd get like a chance to like maybe run, run, the, run the floor against some other guys. These guys got to be in their own bubble. Because, again, if one person gets it on a basketball team, it is curtains for that team because they are so close to each other. They got, the, you know, they're not wearing masks when they're practicing, when they're playing, you know, unless they're on the sidelines. It's rough. So they they got to be extra cautious, which means they don't get as many chances to, to run the court and, you know, see what their rhythm is. And St. Francis was an experienced team. Uh, from a lesser conference that wasn't a power five, the Northeast Conference. They finished second in their standings with 22 wins last year. They went to the conference uh, finals, lost to uh, Robert Morris, I believe, last year. And they got a, a bunch of players returning, and they went right into their to their rhythm. They knew what it was like to compete together, and they took advantage of Pitt. And Jeff Capel said they got punched in the mouth. But Jeff Capel's response and the team's response was encouraging. That they, they um, both Capel and Xavier Johnson acknowledged before the, the Saturday game against Drexel 
Pitt ran two practices on Friday. That, that that's a coach that I'm not I'm not having this again. That's a that's a step up moment. And Jeff Cable, he didn't look like he was the yelling type. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a big yelling coach guy. Like there's times where you got to raise your voice to to in the moment to kind of get your guy. But when you yell too much, that means I think you got too much. You're trying to show too much bravado. I love the Tony Dungy style of coaching. That even when something good happens, it's hard that he don't even crack a smile. Like when they won a suit, when they won, when the Colts won the Super Bowl, Tony Dungy, there was like one point where he cracked like a half smile, and I was like, ah, 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 you see that? They got him. I don't know what Jeff Capel is just yet. Um, he's definitely passionate, but he seems very composed, and um, he seemed to get the point across that he was, you know, that that Pitt had a lot of work to do on Wednesday night when they lost to uh, St. Francis. But we, if it sounded sounded like the way that Xavier Johnson talked after this win over Drexel that they the the, the, the players kind of got it this week that they were running around he said practice was not fun you <laughs> know we was hustling our head you know everyone was pretty quiet we were just focused so that tells me that they they, they understood the urgency of what that loss meant to a non-conference team that you're supposed to beat and again this is cable's third year he has to this has to be the year that they step up and they do something because if they don't show growth, it's going to be like, uh-oh, maybe Capo wasn't all that. But this game was a good sign. And maybe it's a good sign for Pitt having a big three. Now, still long way to go. I'm not saying they have a big three. But Audis Tony for a second straight game, 20 points. Justin Champagny, who was horrible against... Um, uh, against St. Francis, really stepped up in this game. He had tw- he had 19 points on the game, seven rebounds, hit a three pointer. But the star of the game was undoubtedly Xavier Johnson. X was on fire. He hit all six of his free throws. He went nine of 13 in the game for 27 points. Got six rebounds, eight assists. We're really good there. Two steals, and he went three of seven from beyond the arc. Great stuff. And I wrote a piece about him also on DKPittsburghSports.com, breaking down some of the film and what he did in this game. But Xavier Johnson, I liken him last year a lot to Carl Krauser. And I, I grew up loving Carl Krauser. He was a he was a battle. He was a warrior. You know, all, all stuff, you know, aside from what he told Noah on the Down Memory Lane podcast about, you know, people shaving points. If that's true, who who knows? But Carl Krauser was the guy who, as a sixth man, he was really good behind Brandon Knight and what he could bring, the energy he could bring to Pitt's team in the Ben Howland days. But when he became, when he had to be the man, Carl Krauser's strategy was four on one, I got you right where I want you. You try to cross over the first guy, spin past the second guy, jump around the third guy, and then shoot it over the fourth guy. And usually, and sometimes it would hit, and it would be amazing. But most times, it would be a missed shot or a turnover. And Xavier Johnson does that a lot. He did that a lot last year. I think he did it way too much last year. And my thing was this year: I need, we needed to see the growth. We needed to see him step up and be a more complete point guard and team player. And against St. Francis, he was not that. But against Drexel, he was. 
He was driving. He was looking for his. He was looking for his option when he was driving to the well. You could see his eyes up. You could see him looking around for his teammates, and you saw him dish the ball, get kick it, kick, you know, create opportunities for your team. That's what this team has to be able to do. They've got the athleticism with 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 Johnson, with Champagny, with Adis Tony. And I think this William Jeffers kid might be good too. He only got a buck, one bucket in this game, but he had a massive dunk. It was really impressive. Um, Pitt's rebounding improved in this game. Still needs to be better. But all in all, um, Champagne with 19, Tony with 20, Xavier Johnson with 27. That needs to be the big three that carries this team through most games. And if Johnson plays that way, I think it will open up the door for Champagne to play better like that. And it seems like Audis Tony, he's really coming up. And Xavier Johnson said, oh, yeah, you better watch out for that dude. He's gone. He's a bad man. And, again, they still haven't gotten Nike Sabande yet. We asked Jeff. We Trust me. We asked Jeff Capel with every pressability, what's up with Nike Sabande, the guy that transferred from Miami, Ohio, and he's supposed to be a big boost to this team this year. Uh, he doesn't know. They haven't given him any word. He hopes to hear from them soon. I, I get the impression he's very frustrated this as well as any Pitt fan is. But with the guys that are there, that big three, maybe this team can grow here. Maybe something can happen that makes them competitive in the ACC and and shows that, that this team's heading in the right direction. And I think Xavier Johnson, he has to be the key. He has to be the catalyst because that's that's Capel's, you know, that's the guy he's been riding with since, since he got here. And Capel... If we see Xavier Johnson consistently be this this developed product, this guy who who's learned from having to from going full call Krauser, never go full call Krauser. Go 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 semi call Krauser because again a lot of the talent from Carl he was a bad man. But the times when you try to do too many things by yourself, that's when I think Xavier needs to pull it back. And if he does, and still finds a way to be a playmaker for his team. That's gonna make that's gonna be a big sign to me that Jeff Capel is for real for this program and he can he can flip things around. And you still had guys, I, I saw really good improvement from John Hugley. Uh he's the he's the he was the the center, or not the center, he was the forward that was that started basically in the five spot uh for Pitt against St. Francis. He did not play well in that game, but against uh he had about uh ten minutes against uh drexel and i thought he did much better um so a smaller sample size of course but you know he had a good bucket inside looked better on defense um again william jeffers stepped up uh abdul kareem koulibaly a, a decent big man two of two from the floor three defensive rebounds solid um also had three blocks which were really impressive ethiel horton hit a three still figuring his thing out but with the big three that you got, that's going to give these time these guys the time to figure those things out. Also, also Femi Odakali uh, got in for seven minutes. He had a bucket. Um, that was pretty cool. He also had a steal. But lean on that big three pit. And Jeff Cable did say after the game that we're supposed to see more, uh, or not more. We're supposed to get here word on what Pitt's last game to be scheduled will, will be and when it'll be. As it stands, their next game is December 9th against Northwestern. At least I believe. Um, and that's, of course, a ways off. 
I mean, it's the 29th now. It's more than a week away. I think it's what? Is it two Saturdays? Something like that. No, it's two. It's it's in two Wednesdays from now. But, um, Capel did say to expect something soon. So we will have that on the website for DKPittsburghSports.com when we do hear that. Um, cause there is Pitt has 24 games scheduled. They have one more non-conference game that they can schedule. They're looking for an opponent. So we'll see who that is. But, uh, by and large, um, I was impressed by the win. It was a nine point win over Drexel. Um, I thought it was good. Um, not, not, not great. You know, they still needed, they need to put that game away much earlier, but people got to remember this is still a young team. They're still figuring out how to play together and Capel's still trying to figure out a system that works for this team. It's not it's not as easy as you think. So hang in there Pitt fans. But it looks like Pitt basketball may have some th- something brewing there with their big 3. That's what we have for you today on the DKH2P podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Uh if you're enjoying the podcast platform here at dkpittsburghsports.com, please rate us 5 stars. Leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Doing so really helps out the show. If you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Get on it. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, do tune, tune in. We're going to get you as best as we can up to date with everything and all the craziness in the NFL game. Will the Steelers play Tuesday? Who knows? We'll hopefully find out uh, maybe on, maybe t- maybe today on Sunday. Uh, but with all that being said, thanks again for listening. Be back in your ears later in the week. 